0: plus. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile. The most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-Mobile. If you cancel service, remaining balances too. due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price nine ninety nine dollars 99 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.
2: Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host Kian Savani. I'm flying solo today. Um, Gabe was under the weather. Om and I just had conflicting schedules and I'm here and I'm going through a, another massive mailbag. This is the second time during this international break where there wasn't much to talk about so I put out a call to questions, call for questions to our patrons and we went from nothing to talk about from so much to talk about that we're not entirely sure how we're going to squeeze it in and now we're here. I've went through, I've filtered some out, i filtered out duplicates, uh, stick to most of the guaranteed patrons tonight just to, to squeeze them all in and it's it's fun. I won't lie, it's fun. A lot of people giving us feedback on the All Time Eleven that Om and I made and um, potentially there's going to be a part two coming. To that podcast and I'll explain how that that is possible towards the end of the show but just off, t- off the top of my head things we we can just get out of the way really quickly it's the international break as is usually the case with the international break if you're a Real Madrid fan a you're sweating bullets because you don't want anyone to get injured and b madridistas are at the forefront of of everything I mean like you go back to the Euro tournament who were the standouts? Bale, Modric, Cruz, Cristiano, Pepe. Um, and this is just the fact of life that in this current era, Real Madrid, Real Madrid players dominate the international scene. Bale scored a hat-trick, became Wales' all-time top scorer. Cristiano had a crazy clutch double against Egypt. Um, Isco was a standout for Spain against Germany, which, by the way, was a really fun back-and-forth game where... Despite it being 1-1, I don't think either team really cares because it's a friendly. But we saw really good signs from, from Spain. And I think once Germany hits full throttle, all their players are there. And in my opinion, Sané should start once he gets into the mix consistently. Um, <clears throat> they are going to look fantastic. So while I think a lot of people read a lot into that game, I think there was some fun signs. And I, I'll say this now, I'll say it again. And I will continue saying it. Um, no team as great as Spain that has fallen off the face of the earth can rebound this quickly as well as Spain did because the, the, the insane ta- deep talent pool is ridiculous. And Lopetegui has a lot of fun problems to, to figure out. And I'll just leave it there. But that was a fun game. And I think we're going to talk about it more on the Churrosi Tacticas podcast later Monday evening when that goes up. We'll talk about the the Spanish squad and and some of those selection headaches. Let's jump into questions. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/managingmadrid is where you go to a pledge and become a sponsor on the show, little as a dollar a month, um, and you get rewards based on your pledge. So you get three dollars, you get a follow back on Twitter from the managing Madrid account. Five dollars, guaranteed response to your questions every single show. $10, that, all that, plus a specific shout-out on the podcast. Then you can go up crazy amounts if you want. $25 a month uh, allows you to request myself, Kian Sobani, Money, to write an article, 1,000-word article, on the topic of your choice, as long as it's relevant to Real Madrid. And $100 actually gets you on the show for an appearance. So... Um, go there to pledge maybe you don't want any reward maybe you just like the stuff that we do and you think it's cool and you're like hey these guys um kind of do this for a living and maybe it might help uh, feed their families i'll leave it there one starbucks flavor shot a month is all it would take to to sacrifice first question is from ryan jones Ryan says, after seeing the amazing performance Cristiano put on against Girona and the last gasp double that saved Portugal at the death, I found myself even more amazed at the lack of coverage it received from the mainstream soccer media. Shows like ESPN FC didn't even really acknowledge it and sites like gold.com attributed his game against Girona to Zidane's change to a 4-4-2. My question is, do you think Ronaldo would be more celebrated if he played in another sport? with more of an American base. I've always felt that American sports fans and media have always embraced what I call the post-Michael Jordan superstar that falls in line more with Cristiano's nature. Uh, Example, the demonstrative, uber-confident, relentless competitor who puts the team on his back and makes no bones about his ambition to be the best as opposed to the soccer world where a lot of those qualities seem to work against Ronaldo, especially in the way he's covered. Interesting question. I've never in my life... Felt Ronaldo was under talked about. I do, I have felt, and I still do feel that we swoon over another certain player more than we do about Ronaldo when Ronaldo is actually the mother of all statistical unicorns and is defying everything, including, by the way, he's literally defying everything we knew about what players can do at this age. And Someone brought up the point. I'm not sure where it was. I think it may have been in the comment section of something we did in of the Ronaldo Messi debate on trucos tacticas. Everyone is assuming that Messi will play longer because just based on age alone. And Ronaldo just looks like he's 29. And that that part is crazy. Like we that that part in itself is probably the most under talked about trait of Cristiano is like Longevity in sports is so important, so underrated. And week in, week out, for literally, he's in, he's in year what with three hundred Madrid uh, nine, and before that with Man U. Like, the guy is is a freak. It's it's crazy what he's doing, and the fact that he's been doing it for this many years. Like we've seen great players who just. They, they can't sustain their peak. Like, go back to Ronaldinho, for example. Um, at his peak, we're all like, my God, if he continues this, he's a top five player of all time, maybe more. And then he just, he can't. So the fact that Ronaldo was doing this is is staggering to me. And I think that is the most under-talked subject about Ronaldo, is not the fact that he's unbelievable. It's the fact that he's at this age and doing it for so many years. I'm not sure if he slows down before Messi. I'm... Um, he probably does just based on age alone, but it is crazy what he's doing. I agree to a certain extent, Ryan. I don't, I don't believe in the stuff that there's like a conspiracy against him in the media and they and they do this on purpose and whatever. Um, <clears throat> believe it or not, I, I I tend to side on the media side because I know what it's like being in the media and being accused of certain narratives that aren't true and are completely not the intention of the of the the journalists. Uh, when they're putting forward their work, they just want to put their work out. They want to share it, and there's impossible. It's impossible for them to please everybody, and that's the reality. And I really sympathize with that. I didn't sympathize with that as much when I wasn't a journalist, but I do now. So, and trust me, it, I'm I'm not short on this this kind of thinking because I'm a Raptors fan, and we're freaking destroying the entire Eastern Conference right now. We're first in the in the conference. And no one cares, and so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like. It's not that I I don't sympathize with your comment, Ryan. I also think that in the nature of fans that we that we are, regardless of whatever fan base you are, you always feel like there might be an agenda against your team, and sometimes we we can kind of think about it too much. We overthink it, and also stop going to Goal.com. Ian Marley says, Hi Keon, been a long time since I sent in any questions or thoughts I had because this season has just been one hell of an enigma and I don't want to fall into the trap of being enveloped in negativity. Anyway, here are my questions. And Ian has a lot of questions and will probably just hit them rapid fire. So Ian says, One, a while ago, I think before the redistribution of TV money, Real was considered the club that was most capable of breaking any transfer records at will. However, after clubs got an influx of cash from the redistribution, do you feel like Real might have lost the power to aggressively go after players? There's no question that Real Madrid will be competing more so now than they were at the turn of the century with a lot of infl- the influx of money on TV rights and rich owners and PSG and all these English teams and City and United. Uh, which, by the way, I think that like, those are like the main. There's if there's like a top three, it's it's those three. I think Real Madrid will be competing with, and obviously, Barca, who is who has a very tight wage bill, and and not as good a financial situation as the other three. But I'd say those are the main three, and I think, in a ways, it's overblown because I still think, by the way, that if Real Madrid has its sight on a certain player they will be able to sign them if they if they really want him because they have not only the cash, they have the prestige, the royalty, the brand, the image, everything that attracts a footballer to a big club, Real Madrid have it. And they have it more than anyone in the world. And I think that is irrefutable. I will say, I think a recency bias towards this subject clouds our, clouds, clouds our judgment a bit on what we think Real Madrid are capable of because we haven't really signed a big name in a while. The reason I think we haven't signed a big name in a while is because of Zidane. And there's no way you can force a player on Zidane. Like, this is not really... It's not the same as it was at the turn of the century where Real Madrid really would disregard what the coach wanted or didn't want. And Zidane has had full control. And there's a misconception, I think, that we can't sign players, whereas we don't want to sign players. And I think that is... The latter is the real truth because... Where is this player going to play? Why shoehorn things into a team that's won back-to-back titles, European titles? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up to me. And I also think we, we tend to forget that in the Cristiano Ronaldo era, we only have one main goal scorer in the team. And if you add another nine, for example, for example, um, where would that player play when Ronaldo himself obviously needs someone to feed him goals and he loves playing with Benzema more than anybody else. I also think that having competition for for signing players is a good thing because it forces you to be more pragmatic with your signings, more um, more focused on on fine-tuning your vision, what your identity is, what your style is, what you want to play here. And this is what we've seen. Like, we've seen we've seen Marco Asensio rise to the team. We've seen Lucas Vazquez, who I know that a lot of people had their complaints about him earlier in the season when he was the sub every game. But give credit to him. He's worked hard. He's been one of the better defensive players this season. And the eye test with him looks really good off the ball. He's one of the guys who's always in position. He does the right thing. He makes the right decisions. Not supremely talented, but he works hard and that's the kind of identity you want to build with, right? And credit to Zidane for being able to stick to his guns while everybody complains about everything he does. I think, yeah, he has flaws, but he's building something at least that that Real Madrid can identify with. And I think the fact that we don't have to shoehorn a new player every single season means that we get to build our identity, work on continuity, work on rhythm. All that stuff matters in football, by the way, in any sport. Like, as the same team, even if it's the exact same team, like three years running, by by year three, they're going to be a completely different team by, um, by when they started, from when they started. And it's not because they don't have new players, and it's it's just because they... They have rhythm and continuity. They get to familiarize themselves with the scheme with each other. So that stuff really matters. And um, Look, f- I fully, fully believe that when this era is over and really we have players who just can't contribute anymore and who knows, does that come this summer? I don't know, but I really think that we will splash money again. And there's no question we're, we're, we will. And I don't think any club will stop us from getting a, player, a certain player we want. Um, but I don't know if that's necessary right now. And I understand why we haven't done it. And I think it will come after the Ronaldo era. Or or right when we feel we need to upgrade a position, we'll probably go all out and, and strengthen that position. Simultaneously, there's invest, investment in the youth project. Really excited about Raul coming into the ranks. I have no idea how he'll do. There's a chance he'll tank and he won't be good at his job at all. But... I'm willing to roll the dice with him because he has, you know, as I'm sure you've read my Raul article by now, I, I spoke at length about his football IQ, um, but also because I'm just kind of done. I I would like to roll the dice with seeing Guti in Castilla with just... Solari has done some good things in the past few months, but it'll be nice to have, you know, shake up there. And it's nice, the fact that Zidane is connected with everyone down the ranks. This is the biggest case, I think, by the way, for keeping Zidane long term It's that if a new coach comes and and who knows how that how long that new coach will stay and how he'll do, he'll create a disconnect because who knows how long term is thinking, who knows how connected he'll be with the youth teams. I like the fact that Zidane attends Castilla games when he can he's always in touch with the the youth coaches so this is a huge, huge underrated trade of Zidane is his long-term vision for the club. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest cases for keeping him, by the way, is that long-term vision, continuity, and rhythm. And just out of pure curiosity, what, what will he build five years from now with with all this um, investment in the youth ranks? So Zidane e Pavone's policy was never a real policy. It was... It was a fake thing it because your Zidanis were Zidanis and your pavones we we all treated pavon like this like revelation from castilla he hadn't he had a good first season and he was never really good enough What reality your pavones shouldn't be called pavones it should be called your um i don't know your de la reds like that's really the type of play we were looking to promote from castilla Pavon was never good enough, and neither were any of those players that came up through the generate that generation. Like, so I think I think it's generally actually a good thing. It's true that we won't be able to let's say pry a De Bruyne from City easily. That's what's changed. I think is because whereas like 15 years ago, if we gave City like a huge check, De Bruyne would be ours. Where now De Bruyne is like, well, why do I need to leave? This is a cool project that Pep's building. I'm getting paid a lot of money. And those are the players that are going to be hard to get. Um, so Ian Marley, this was supposed to be rapid fire. I know I said that. But I to sum this all up, yes, there's more competition. Having said that, I think that it's good for Real Madrid to be able to think internally about what their vision is. And I still think they'll be able to sign almost any player they want. second question from me and he says if you were to build a brand new front three that includes Ronaldo who would your two choices be and and how would they fit and connect with the midfield would you try to replace Benz with a player that is a similar ilk or would you go for a player like Lewandowski how would the front three synergize so this is assuming there's a gun to my head and I have to add two players and replace Bale and Benzema so obviously this is a separate question from whether I want to replace Bale or Benz and who would I replace them with if I had to do it I'd replace like for like I'd bring in a player like Firmino for Benz um and if I could have any player in the world at that position I would probably go for Salah even even probably more so than Neymar I would love to see that that dynamic of like a, a Ronaldo Salah on the flanks with uh with a Firmino who could string it together. Having said that, I actually think while Firmino is, is close to Benzema in terms of like what he can do off the ball and, and also his knack for getting others involved in the team and not being a pure 9, he's a very intelligent player, I still think I would actually go with Harry Kane because I think Harry Kane would actually be able to do all those things because he's more than a 9. We have this misconception that Harry Kane is just a lethal finisher and that's it. He can do so much more. So, here's my answer. I'd go with Kane and Salah and Ronaldo. And I, I think it would... All three of those players can link well with the midfield. And I think it would work really well. It would, be, it would be tasty, it would be delicious. And, yeah. That's what I would do. Third question, and last question from Ian. I recently noticed that Zidane has changed some aspects in the team's way of playing. From incessant crossing to utilizing Kroos and Modric's abilities to split defenses open with through passes. Why is this the case? Is it because of the change in formation to a four-four-two with Benz and Ronaldo up front? So it's interesting. The last few months or so is exactly how we want Real Madrid to play because. There is a lot of emphasis on the flanks, but there isn't an emphasis on shoehorning crowds, crosses into a crowded box and making yourself vulnerable on counterattacks, <coughs> which was a huge problem in the first half of the season. Um, the most extreme example, I think, was against Tottenham in both legs, actually, where Isco or Marcelo or Carvajal would or Ashraf would put in a cross, A, the quality of the cross wasn't good. And B, it was met in the box with 10 million players. And guess where every single player on the pitch was? In the final third. And so all of a sudden, it takes one pass for Tottenham or whoever to split us on the counter. And then you have Varane backpedaling and trying to save us. And God bless his soul, he actually did a really good job. And we just threw him into the fire and asked him to put it out. And he generally would, but it looked disastrous and there's only so much he could do that was my biggest gripe with crossing more so than the fact that it wasn't efficient it left us vulnerable in the counter because we would flood the box and i remember writing columns about this issue and there were moments uh and there was one moment against las palmas where there was seven ram players in the box to meet across and no one defending and Las Palmas just weren't efficient on the counter. And any a better team would have punished us. Same with Abar in the first leg at the Bernabeu. They had plenty of chances and they couldn't punish us. That has been remedied a little bit. Um, so the crossing stats is something that I've, I've kept an eye on generally. And we're down from our season average, I think it was 27. We're down to 25 now. And... We were doing 32 at home. We're down to 29 at home now. I think more so... I don't mind crossing, but there was there was an example I brought up. I brought up some stats after a win. Uh, was it against Depor, the 7-1? I think it was against Depor. Up until that point, the best performances of the season, whether it was Depor or against Sevilla or against Dortmund or against Sociedad, um, the common trait between all those games was that Real Madrid had a significantly lower amount of crosses in those games than their season average. And the point of that stat is not that crossing is bad. We have elite crossers and elite finishers to meet those crosses. The point of that stat was that the best Real Madrid is an unpredictable Real Madrid. And diversity in the final third is important for a team that has as many creative geniuses in the final third as Real Madrid do and Modric and Cruz. yeah it's true they've been more incisive as as of Kovacic Not, by the way I think Casemiro has kind of has definitely picked it up a bit too um, but if you look at the passing charts that Eleven Tegen puts out on Twitter after every game the emphasis is still on the flanks which is where it should be Marcelo consistently has the most touches on the team and that's good because he is the greatest dribbler of our time and you probably want him on the ball as much as possible because the more he has the ball the more chances he has to create but at the same time he's not shoehorning things from the flank there's a lot of play there but then the possession is recycled ball is swung and we know that's the best best medicine to to take to, when you're trying to unlock a low block defensively is constant switching a play diagonal balls and Real Madrid have done a better job at that so while there's a lot of overload in the left flank the emphasis is is played through there and we'll get to this because there's a question about why we play so much to the left when Carvajal makes that run on that right or Lucas Vasquez or whoever is there the switch is there and then he's completely free because the defense just collapses with this with a diagonal ball and we've been Much better at that than we have been at the beginning of the season. And at the same time, those interchanges on the flanks lead to passes down the middle and into the middle and constant shifting and and moving the ball, which the defense can only cope with so well. So yes, I think this is a trend that's pointing in the correct direction, Ian. That was not rapid fire at all. Soo Young Zhu says, "Dear Kion, I just discovered this podcast and immediately fell in love with it. Great work! Thanks, Soo Young. My question is about Isko. <clears throat> what do you think will happen to him? It was unfortunate that the whole time lost the whole time we lost form at the beginning of the season. And when the team rediscovered their form, the formation changed to four four two, which didn't include him anymore. I really appreciate his dribbling skills." But it seems like he always likes to hold on to the ball, in contrast to Modric or Cruz, He also seems to be a bit quote-unquote selfish in front of the goal. I saw Ronaldo complaining about his choices often. The one thing that I don't like the most is the hype created by media on a player like Isco because of his amazing dribbling. I think Isco got carried away because of all the media praise. And I think similar praises are happening to Asensio and Ceballos. Somehow all the focuses were always on talented attacking midfielders, even more so of his Spanish. I don't think that is good for their growth. Yes, young Welcome to Spanish media. If you're Spanish, you're good looking, you're young, and you're talented, which is the exact case for Ceballos, Essencio, Isco, and particularly Llorente, then you're going to have a lot of support in the Spanish media. So... The Isco question is one we've had to deal with a lot. It's recurring. Um, no one questions his talent. And to me, it's always been about... he. <clears throat> the difference between him and James essentially was this. Isco is the type of player who likes to hold the ball. Um, style is important to him. He likes to kind of play in the zone and, and play in his own head. And in his own head, what he's doing is amazing because he's just sucking in defenders and slowing down time and trying to create space by holding the ball, sucking in defenders and then releasing it to create numerical superiority. Whereas Hamas is the type of player in the final third, in my opinion, he's one of the best decision makers in the final third in the world. He knows where the ball is going before he even gets it. And... The ball zips there in his head, and then when the ball reaches it, the pass reaches his foot. The ball is zipping there like almost immediately. He's quick. He's incisive. He knows where the ball is going, and he gets it there quickly. And he doesn't overthink it. And I think he plays the right way. It's hard to explain the whole Lisco thing because he's crazy talented. Um, he's been a joy to watch with Spain this season, whether it be. The 3-0 against Italy, or the friendly just the other day against Germany, he was a focal point, he was having fun, and he was roaming a lot, and if you look at his position on the pitch, it's definitely not one of stagnancy, It's he's always moving, he's always on the on the left, on the right, in the middle, he just, he's just an, basically an outlet that pops up whenever you need him. And that's fine. I think the lack of defined role hurts Real Madrid, though, when he plays that role, because... And I think it hurts Ramjan most defensively. Like, we can talk about his, his counters and his and his ability to get the ball quickly on a counter-attack, which I think is over-exaggerated a little bit. Um, I I think in a counter-attack, I think Isco is generally good. I think... But I think people get really frustrated. Like, against PSG, for example, the one thing that it's hard to blame him is that he doesn't have that kind of pace, where in a counter-attack, he tends to to go with it and then players catch up to him and then he has to pull it back and it slows down it hurt Real defensively the most because in a in a team where you have two offensive fullbacks particularly Marcelo who doesn't have coverage in left flank because Carvajal has Modric on the right who does insanely well at covering Cruz hedges a bit higher and doesn't cover as much by design if you look at his heat map too um, he's generally higher, way higher up the pitch than Modricius and the scheme is not symmetrical and that causes issues. So then you're relying on two things, Casemiro who is spread thin and Isco who you're not sure where he's going to be on any defensive sequence because he he's kind of all over the place. And I think that hurt Real Madrid more, the most is that defensively it really hurt them because you're not truly sure where Isco is. So everyone around, them, around him in the scheme, they're kind of guessing where to be defensively because they, they don't know where... To, their teammate is, basically. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this understands your question. What do I think will happen to him? Is a good question. I don't know. Uh, because he has essentially two positions where he can start in, right? Forgive me, I'm just going to take a quick sip of my coffee. Um, the two positions where he can start in is essentially a center midfielder or um, an attacking midfielder. And your center midfielder, you have Kovacic coming up through the ranks who is, I wouldn't say a perfect footballer, but I would say like he, he tickles us in a way that, we, I don't know, when was the last time we've been this excited about a center midfielder um, coming up through? Because as great as Modric and Kroos are and they are the best at what they do, it's crazy exciting to have Kovacic come through too. So that's one position. And the other position is essentially where Asensio... I think most people would like to see Asensio start over Isco. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, it is crazy how like these things shift because at the end of the Super Cup and then especially it peaked like after Spain destroyed Italy and, and last season everyone was like... It would be unthinkable if anyone said something about Isco. But this is football, this is sports, and everyone is... Everyone kind of changes their tune, but I think with with Isco, it's he's competing with those two positions. For that reason, I'm not sure what will happen to him. I don't want him to leave. I think he's really great. I think he just needs a defined role, and if he has that defined role and he's given better instructions, he'll play better. And you can you can you can blame him or you can blame Zidane, and it seems like everyone has their own extreme view on this. But I think there's in between that. Where Isco is, is insanely talented, and he just needs better direction because it, it's clear to me that I don't think even he completely understands where Zidane wants him to play, and that kind of is apparent. Where when you when you watch him on the pitch and you see where he is without the ball, it's like you just don't understand where he is, and I'm not sure if he's if he's able to play that free role as well as we thought he did, and I think it hurts the team in a lot of ways, especially if. Your, your team needs better defensive coverage the way Real Madrid's do with their fullbacks pushing up. Blake Brown says, so I've never been to the Bernabeu nor Spain. Would love to go to both, but wonder what you guys think about it. Is it the greatest sporting venue you have been to? I grew up in the US in the South where college football is king. We have some incredible stadiums, but there is just something that seems really special about the Bernabeu. Here's the unfortunate thing about the Burnabout Blake. It is actually, while it, it's a very special and magical place, it can also be a boring place. And if you're used to like those crazy NCAA atmospheres, whether it's football or basketball, on a regular La Liga match day in at the Burnabout, it's not that exciting. It's kind of boring. It's kind of like a theater. Families um are just kind of there taking it in and, and they're having fun and it, it is a good atmosphere, don't get me wrong. If you really, really want a special atmosphere, you have to go to a Champions League game against a big opponent, uh, a Derby or a Classico, and that's when it gets really, really special. Um, I would argue, by the way, I think unless it's a really big Classico, like a title decider or something, um, a Champions League knockout stage against a really big team is even better. Um and probably like the best of both worlds is if you get Barcelona in a knockout round at the Bernabeu in the Champions League. That's probably the best scenario. Like that will be the most that'll be the peak magic moment at the Bernabeu. But if you're going to let's say a game against I don't know uh Espanyol or Levante at the Bernabeu, then it's it's fun but it's not like it's not going to be a crazy NCAA college football game that's kind of how it is um so if you're planning on going to spain and or the burnabout i would say aim for peak season which is expensive but this you get the best of both worlds because a you get better weather let's say april and b you get the knockout stages of the champions league and that's kind of where that in my opinion that's the best time to go Jahan Watson says, what is the recording and publishing process for a Managing Madrid podcast? So, I won't talk about this particular episode because it's an anomaly and I'm just talking into a microphone and I'm pressing record. That's easy. Um, on 95% of the shows, which is myself and or Gabe or Om, um, it's basically we meet on Skype, we do a Skype group call, I have an app that records the call. And uh, we press record, and we start talking. And then at the end of the call, we upload the recording into a basically a podcasting editor. It's called the one I have is Movavi Video Editor, and you add the Managing Madrid uh, soundtrack, which our patron Andrew Gomez has made for us, and you just tie it in together. There is never. By the way, this is an interesting misconception. There is never, never, almost never editing involved. We just do it in one take and it's, I've, I, I have to think back really hard to a time where I had to edit the podcast because it's just never a thing. It's never needed. Unless, unless let's say there's an interruption or there was that one time I think Om had like a fire alarm in his building and he had to leave. <laughs> and uh, that's actually a really funny moment. But other than that we just do it in one go one take and it's and it's pure raw unfiltered so you're getting authentic stuff there's no script and that's why I think our podcast is special uh I think we have the best podcast in the world where when everyone is here when it's not just me blabbering on because it's a conversation and it's not scripted it's not formal it, there's no rules there's no no one telling us to be professional wear suits to to not curse to to do whatever, and I think that's what makes the podcast special. Christopher McCormick says, Keon, could you ask your son Marcos to, as you would say, pump the brakes on his departure this summer and give Zidane a second chance, please? And then Christopher links uh, an article to us. So whether Marcos leaves or not, I will say one thing. That article in us is nothing. It's, it's it's a literal literal piece of nothing. It's us has no ties with Real Madrid at all. There's nothing. There's no one giving them sources, and there's nothing in that article that actually tells where they got this information some, from. That Marcos will leave. Now, having said that, it's possible by that Marcos will leave, and they'll be like, "Oh, we were right." But it will have nothing to do with that us article. I promise you. Um. I would be I would be devastated the day that Marcos leaves. And I would hope that, interestingly enough, one of the... the um, I think, what were what the two teams? Let me just click on it really... And I feel guilty giving them hits by clicking on it right now. But the two teams that he was linked with in that article, one was Real Sociedad and the other was Frankfurt. If we send them, him on loan to those teams, not sell, loan him, I would be interested in that. That's what would intrigue me, is a loan move, to see him replicate what he did with Alaves, Um and at a high level in La Liga or Bundesliga would be high level too. And I think, you know, Vallejo, it was really fun tracking Vallejo at Frankfurt, for example, because it's a very, very good league, very strong league, and he stood out as one of the best defenders. And I think, it's never a bad thing for a player to develop in Germany if they're getting playing time, the way Vallejo and Carvajal did. And unfortunately, the way Mayeral didn't, that was a disaster. But if he's getting guaranteed playing time on a loan like that in a Bundesliga, I, I would be all for that. I would, I would be thrilled with that. Um, it gives us some time to figure out what we're going to do with him and when we bring him back. Because right now he's behind Casemiro and Kovacic and sometimes Cruz who can play that, that position. Having said that, I think Marcos has looked really good in his time here. Limited time here. Um, and he's he's steadily improved. So, Real Sociedad would be interesting, but you have Iaramendi there. I don't know how that would work unless to play a double pivot, which is not his perfect ideal role. I'd like him as a single pivot anchor better, but it might work. Um, it'd be interesting. So... If it's for a lone move, Christopher, I'm all for it. I just want him to play week in, week out, so I can write about him again and write columns about him. That's all I care about. Adithya says, and by the way, I've been given a pass by Adithya to never pronounce his last name again because I think I butchered it, and I, I insulted probably the entire generation of his family. The, that's how bad I was at pronouncing his name. So Adithya said, just don't pronounce my last name anymore. Aditya says, Do you think Cristiano is the greatest header in the game? We've had some great players with terrific heading ability over the years, like Drogba, Ronaldo, um, Vidic, Ramos, Fellaini, Puyol, Bale, Cahill, Shearer, etc. How do you rate Ronaldo's heading ability? And do you think he is the greatest header of the football the game has ever seen? (coughs) There has been some unbelievable players in this position uh, in terms of heading the ball home uh obviously you mentioned a lot of them in your list like Shearer was a beast Drogba was a beast Ramos we know like Puyol was a type of player who who like I always felt playing against him that he was just going to get to every corner whether it be defensive or offensive and either clear it or make a dangerous header towards goal Bale we saw go through that really hot streak where he was scoring everything with his head uh I think like if you go back to other players Miroslav Klose was like an assassin in that situation with Germany. I think what sets Ronaldo apart in this regard is that he's been doing it way more consistently and over a way longer span than any of these players on the list and he's the best mover off the ball in in my opinion the history of the game. So yes, I think he is the best. Sheik Atiri says, If you could have any Barcelona player in the history of Madrid, at Madrid, who would you choose? I know Messi is in high demands, but I'd take Iniesta, who is in fact a Castellana. Iniesta might be the sentimental choice. I think the other sentimental choice would be Ronaldinho, but the answer here is clearly Messi. Anthony Vasquez says, Can you ask Gabe what made him decide to live in D.C.? As a D.C. native, my whole life do you support my whole life. Do you support any of the other teams that are based here? And I didn't realize there was a question here just for Gabe, so I'm going to bring this forward. I'm making a note right now. Copy and paste Anthony Vasquez Vasquez's um, question into the Wednesday show, which Gabe and I will record for our patrons. Grant Little says, If FIFA was like the NBA 2K games where you'd be able to play with great squads from the past what are some of the Real Madrid squads you would want included in the game what about other club teams or national teams so this is a fun question can you not do this in FIFA I honestly don't know and like I whenever I play FIFA I just kind of play seasons online or with my friends I thought you could do this for some reason maybe I'm wrong um, but obviously grant you would know better than I would um I do remember like in the past FIFAs like when I was younger, maybe like FIFA two thousand i don't know six eight nine ten I'm just making things up I thought you could play with like older players like Pele and Maradona, could you not anyways um if I could choose one squad to play with I would have so much fun with it was probably the fifties. And because that's the one that had the most legends out of any team apart from, you know, like the turn of the century and, and on. So the ratings, I would be really interested in the ratings of like Di Stefano, Pushkas, Gento, Santa Maria, and all these players. That would be a ton of fun. If I had to choose one era to play with, it would be that one. Especially, by the way, after Oman I did that All Time Eleven podcast because that just made me want to even dive into it more. Um, Benjamin Essenstad says, Dermot Corrigan posted a story on ESPN FC this week about Real Madrid's lack of women's team. Do you know anything else besides what was reported? I don't know anything besides what Dermot was reported and everything I've known about this whole situation was kind of just confirmed by Dermot. It's a disaster that we don't have a women's team. It is definitely something that I am embarrassed about. It's the one thing that I just I can't understand for the life of me why we're so behind in this. And top clubs are joining suit. There's other plenty of clubs way smaller than Real Madrid in Spain that have women's clubs. So this excuse that it might be expensive is is nonsense. Florentine. Having said that, Florentino has said that this is something that they want to do, but. This just needs to happen and just, I don't understand the delay. Um, Just, I, I want this to happen really badly. I hope it gets happened soon and I hope Florentino gets in on this because it's embarrassing. This is, we're behind the times. We need to be able to, we should be the pioneer for this stuff. We really should be setting the trend because we're not just a brand that makes money and we have an identity and a business model. We need to also set values for the rest of the world um, because we have such a big influence. We should be the pioneers for this kind of stuff. So uh, I don't have anything new other than what Dermit posted, Benjamin. But I do think it's a stain on the club right now. I think we need to we need to get in on this. Ibrahim Abdul Sabour says, "What would be your top five worst signings for Real Madrid?" There have been so many settings that haven't worked out. <clears throat> funny enough, Ibrahim, just last night I posted a tweet uh, of a picture, a throwback picture of Di Stefano presenting Julian Faubert to the press and holding a Faubert shirt and looking up at Faubert, and his face is like, who the hell are you? It's, it's a really funny picture. And he would be in there top five top five worst signings this is it's tough like i feel bad always like talking about players in this way but Faubert is up there um and let's be clear a lot of these things only look bad in hindsight so for example Royston drenthe might make the cut but he only makes the cut because we have hindsight at the time we were all really excited about assigning it Matt Wiltsey and I recorded a podcast about Real Madrid's most exciting youngsters and what happened to them and Drenthe was one of the one of the guys we were really excited about. It turns out he just doesn't really, he didn't really like football to begin with and he was really just happy to retire and focus on his rap or whatever. I, I don't even think he liked football that much to begin with so he'd be in there. Gravison is there. He was a cartoon character who who we expected somehow to run our midfield and he didn't, uh, but and, but again, this is hindsight because he actually was quite good with Denmark. Um, who else would be there? Um, elver Balic comes to mind. He's Bosnian uh, player we signed for twenty six million, which at the time he was signed at the turn of the century was ninety nine two thousand. That's a lot of money twenty six million. Um, he was a bust. So that's, what are we at, four now? We have Balic, Foubert, Drenthe, that's three. Oh, Gravison four. The fifth one, uh, Maybe maybe Woodgate? Again, another harsh one, because it's hindsight. At the time, he was one of the best defenders in the world, and... He had a disastrous debut, but actually when he played even though there were brief moments, he actually played well um I would say there are there were a couple of busts that just always didn't work out for obvious reasons, especially given their price tag kaka was one of them, which still hurts me because I was a huge kaka fan i i didn't it, it really cut me deep the way he just didn't didn't play well and the other one was uh Walter Samuel who when he came in he was one of the best defenders on earth and that was a signing that was huge for us because at the time we didn't really have a knack for signing great defenders it was all in the final third everyone we were signing and his signing was really exciting and he he was a bust as well so i'm sure if i really took a deep dive into this we could probably do a whole podcast about these players but off top of my head there's your five chris santoso says i asked this on twitter and you asked me to remind through here if an alien soccer team came tomorrow and you had to make a current World eleven to play them with the fate of the galaxy at stake, who would get selected? Also, a Real Madrid all-time flops 11, please. I won't do the all-time flops 11. I kind of talked about some of the flops just, just now, ironically, but um, we will talk about the current World eleven. And this is what I'm going to go with. Fully knowing that no one will ever agree with not everyone will ever agree with one thing you put out with all-time 11 things. Because they're kind of subjective. But the funny thing about this all-time 11 is that it's basically just the Real Madrid 11 uh, plus strengthening certain positions, which I think can be strengthened. So I have De Gea and nets. <clears throat> Varan and Ramos as my two center backs. Carvajal and Marcelo as my two wing backs. So basically a Real Madrid defensive line plus De Gea. I have both Modric. No, I'm going to take Cruz out. I, th- I was about to say I have both Modric and Cruz, but I'm going to put Modric and Kevin De Bruyne as my two central midfielders, with Busquets as the anchor. So if you're with me until now, De Gea, Varane, Ramos, Carvajal, Marcela, Busquets, Modric, and De Bruyne, who, if you were to ask me who is the third best player in the world at this moment, it would either be De Bruyne or Salah. Um they've just been both of them have just been spectacular this season and I would say Kroos is one of the best central midfielders on the planet but it's hard for me to to not fit De Bruyne in there um yeah this, this is a really tough one my front three would just be Messi, Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo with um and and I wasn't really sure what to do with Harry Kane and Neymar in this situation. And also, by the way, Luis Suarez has been unbelievable, like in two thousand eighteen too. But Messi, Salah, and Ronaldo up front, with very very honorable mentions to Harry Kane and Neymar, who obviously hasn't played much in the last you know a little bit because of his injury. But it yeah a world 11 without Neymar might seem crazy but to me he just hasn't been on the level if we're talking about pure form this season he hasn't been on the level of Kane, Salah, Cristiano or Messi so there you have it that would be the team to defeat the aliens hopefully the aliens are not depending on how good the aliens are we have no idea we're kind of going in this in the dark we we have no scouting report of the aliens we'll, we'll see Ross Cabrera says, shout out to Ohm for hitting the table or some nearby wood when enforcing his points on the podcast. Love it. Um. Yes, does, I, I thought I was taking crazy poses. Am I not the only one that hears Ohm just go like this throughout the podcast? It feels like he's, I don't know what he's doing. Is he slamming his phone? Is he slamming his mic? Or like he's kind of pounding his fist on the table like he's giving like a, a Dwight Schrute speech. It's, it's, um. I never brought it up with him because when I when he's doing it, I'm, I'm just thinking about what he's saying, but yeah, I, and I keep forgetting to bring that up with him. Uh, Ross says, great best 11 pod the other day. <clears throat> Insightful to learn more about the lesser known players who have contributed so much to our club. Did you think Pepe could have been a close call? He's an excellent defender. Yes, Pepe did cross my mind. Um... And the thing too is he's gone, like his realm of career is done. So it's not like we we have to wait until like a few more years to decide what to do with him. We can technically decide now. Um, but his issue was, who are you going to take out? Because you can't take Ramos, Sierra, or Sanchez, and probably not Santa, Santa Maria neither, because Santa Maria was a huge cog in the '50s dynasty. So Pepe probably just has, becomes an honorable mention at that point. One last question. Um. Oh, two questions. Sajid Reyes says, "I would like to know your thoughts on OG Ronaldo." It upset me that he was not even in the conversation in the realm at all-time eleven discussed in the last podcast. Granted that he was not at his absolute peak when he joined us after post two thousand two World Cup, which was after his knee injury, but even so. He did score a bucket load of goals at very important moments as well, including the hat-trick against Manchester United, the winning goal that gave us the league title in 2000-2003, and many more. Keon also highlighted the fact that towards the end of the Galactic Era, it was just him and Iker who kept saving the day for us. That's true. For me, my football story started with OG Ronaldo. In the 98 World Cup, he was the only thing I knew about football. Although I wasn't following football at the time, it was the 2002 World Cup when I actually started watching football and Ronaldo guiding Brazil to the 5th World Cup and him joining Real Madrid that season was the start of my Real Madrid story. To me, there, was never been, there has never been a great finisher in the history of the game purely in terms of his conversion of chances to goals and I know a lot of people who agree that he is the player you would want to have one-on-one with a goalkeeper if your mortgage depended on it. What are your thoughts on this in particular? I also think in his peak, 96-99, only for those three years, if you isolate it, there was no better player in the history of the game. What are your thoughts on this? His combination of pace, power, strength, finishing, and control was unreal. I wish I didn't have his knee injury. These are great points, Sajid. These are great counter-arguments to bring up. Um, I. This is my issue. So, I agree with everything you say, to an extent. I... OG Ronaldo was special. Even even though he was with us post peak, I was insanely sa- insanely excited about his signing, because even post peak Ronaldo was was actually unbelievable. By the way, um, he was not at his fit physical peak, but he was an incredible player who just was crazy good. And he was just coming off that two thousand two World Cup where I think he was the leading scorer. Correct me if I'm wrong. He also had that crazy haircut. Which, by the way, just recently he came out and said... He explained it. And he said... Uh, everyone was talking about my knee injuries and whatever. And I just wanted to distract the media from all that. So I put a really stupid haircut out. And I wanted the talking point to be about my, my stupid haircut. Instead of people asking me about my knee. And, um, and he ended up just dominating that tournament. And actually looking really good. So... This is the thing about OG Ronaldo. Even though he was past his peak, he was still fantastic for us. There's no question. My issue is, who do you take out? Um, Because our strikers in the all-time 11 were Raul. You can't take him out. Pushkas, you can't take him out. Hugo Sanchez, and I don't think you can take him out. Because Hugo Sanchez... If you were to pin the two against each other and say which one had a better peak, it would be, of course, it'd be OG Ronaldo. But Hugo Sanchez was four-time Pichichi for us, scored 38, no, five-time Pichichi, and 38 goals in one year, which is unheard of in the 80, 89-90 season. At that time, like we didn't have those statistical unicorns like Ronaldo and Messi who kind of defied what what we knew stats should be. And Hugo Sanchez did it at that time. He was a freak. So I don't think you can take him out either. So who do you take out? That's the issue. Having said that, Sajid, there is a question um, from Kunal Tilakar on Patreon that will follow up this question. I'm going to read it. He says, I love the All Time Eleven podcast. Just to make it interesting, what changes would you make if the 23 were to be decided based on each Madrid player at the peak of their game? surely the team would change and also things like longevity at the club would not be a factor yes this is very interesting um, by the way Sajid I do agree 96-99 Ronaldo at his peak was I understand Messi and Ronaldo are freaks I don't know if in those three years if, if we saw anything more special than OG Ronaldo gave us in those three years Apart from maybe like peak Ronaldinho for his few years. Um, Yeah, if OG Ronaldo kept that pace from 96.99 for his whole career, this would not even be a discussion of who's the best player of all time, in my opinion. But here's my 11. If assuming every single player was at his peak and it has nothing to do with their Real Madrid legacy, even if they just appear for the club for one game, they they would qualify... My 11 actually wouldn't be that different, except for two positions. So as a reminder, my 11 and Om's 11 was was similar. But here, here was my 11. My 11 had two, ch- two changes from OM. So my 11 was Casillas, Iero, Ramos, Chendo, Marcelo, Redondo, Mordred, Zidane, Di Stefano, Raul, and Cristiano. The two changes that OM had, he had uh, Gento over Zidane and he had Pushkas over Raúl. So if I were to do it for peak players only, it would actually be the same apart from two players. I would take Modric out from Michael Lodrup, who had a very brief career with us. But he is probably the most underrated central midfielder to ever play the game aesthetically he was in terms of like stylistically like players that just like oh my god this guy is freaking amazing to watch he is neck and neck with Zidane to me and I think Zidane he was basically Zidane before before Zidane um he was unbelievable like Michael Lodrup was completely in my opinion the most maybe the most underrated and under talked about central midfielder of all time and the other position I would change is I'd take Raúl for O.G. Ronaldo. So basically, you would have Casillas, Iero, Ra- Ramos, Chendo, Marcelo, Redondo, Laudrup, Zidane, Di Stefano, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, and O.G. Ronaldo. I don't care how good your aliens are. I, I don't care what multiverse they came from. I don't care if if like if Thanos is the captain and Hulk is the striker. They would not defeat this team. This is not a twenty-three man squad. I just did a quick eleven if there's enough interest from patrons um or otherwise if, if anyone listening to this is interested and you would like Almanite to do an all time eleven purely based on peak powers and not realm legacy and longevity, please let us know and Om and I will do this, assuming that Om agrees. I'm sure you will uh but we won't do it unless you you have the interest for it. If you do have the interest for it, we can do another what an hour and a half, two-hour segment just on this subject of, of peak players, um, and it will co- probably become in another international break or or a time we don't have much to talk about. Let us know. Let us know in the comments on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever, whatever you use to get in touch with us. And uh, if there's enough interest, we can do it okay guys this is the end of the podcast we have gotten through all of the questions we can go through i want to give a quick shout out to our ten dollar plus patrons because you guys get a specific shout out that's one of your awards so shout out to nick de stefani leon savranakis frederick sundros bjorn salvador john fernandez said mahad sergio monleon Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri, Ian Marley, Dan Berthi, Jahan Watson, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obey, Daniel Smith, Solomon Ortiz, and Jeanette. You guys are the greatest. Thank you so much for making this possible. Uh, love you all, and Alam
1: That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. Twelve ninety nine per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T Mobile customers. Video at four eighty p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.
0: Sports, social, podcast network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.